looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. So that at the same time, I could experience God's grace. That when I go through the troubles and the problems that I have, that I can also experience the glories that's being revealed in me now because of Christ. And I really believe, since I'm not to compare the two, that no matter what my suffering is, the glories is so much more extensive. So that's why we can say, I rejoice in your grace in my suffering, because for you, Father, I do it for the sake of Christ. I don't know. You know, this passage doesn't stop there. It talks about groanings. When you suffer, do you groan? Now, kids, I want to talk to you for a minute. Have you ever heard your mom or dad get out of bed in the morning, maybe a Saturday, maybe a Sunday morning? I don't know. Don't identify them. And you hear them get up and go, oh, oh, and they get out of bed and they groan. Have you ever heard a family member groan when they got out? Raise your hand. Good. Look at the hands. All right. We groan. That's a normal thing when we groan. But there are three groups that groan, and I want to talk about the three groanings. Let's go back to this passage, because the suffering brings about a groaning. But watch what happens underneath the glories of Christ that comes in the future for us. Number one, all creation groans. It says this, for the earnest expectation of the groan, of, or excuse me, the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Remember, we're kind of the showcase of his grace. We become under the spotlight of God. It says, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. I I could preach days on this part. Just think about it. When God takes care of us, he takes care of the world. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs, together until now. So while we can't necessarily hear the, the rocks crying out and, and the trees crying out, I want you to know they're going through pain like you women who are mothers have gone through birth pangs. And we, I'm not minimizing you ladies, but if you think about the Bible days birth pains for ladies, which was in context to what we have today with all the medicine to kind of take some of that edge of pain away, you can imagine when they're reading, that's what creation is all about, suffering those groans, waiting for us. Now, Let's talk about the four truths. When God created creation, when he made creation, it was good. Remember, as he did this, he said, and it was good. And he did that, and he said, this was good. So he began with it being good. Then it became a fallen creation. Man himself, because he disobeyed God, and you can see it there in Genesis 3.17, it brought now not only the moral ruin of the human race, but it also brought creation into a state where it would begin to groan, and how you know the pain that comes from that. But it's now waiting as a groaning creation. Now, a moment ago, I told you you really can't hear creation groan. And I don't know, maybe you hear the trees snap when the wind blows through it. And so when they break because of the extensive wind on the earth or whatever, that might be a groan. I don't have time to open this up because I'm not going through Romans in a, in a you know, five-year trip. But I have six pages of natural disasters for 2011 in the first 10 months. I'd like to go through all six pages. No, I'm not going to do that. But I would love to show this to you if you would like a copy because it talks about earthquakes, floods, fires, tornadoes, tsunamis. And we're not talking about a little bump here and a little shake, rattle, and roll there. We're talking about buildings, lives um, expiring, people that are shattered, broken, careers gone, and all that as a result of creation groaning in what's happening. Now, 
It's not all about just creation. Remember, we are the object lesson of His grace. We're in the spotlight of Him. He's getting ready to redeem us now. And once He does that eternally, then the whole earth is going to quit groaning, which brings us to the fourth bullet point, and that is it will become a glorious creation. And that's the beauty of it all. It's a glorious creation in the future. So creation groans. In the future, He's going to take the earth. It's going to crack apart with fire, and he's going to rebuild a new, new earth again, new heavens and a new earth where there'll be no more groaning. But number two, we groan. You talked about that in a moment, a moment ago. Let me read to you verse 23 through 25. It says, not only that about creation, groaning, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is not as seen is not hope. That's good. For we are saved in this hope. In other words, we can't see it yet. We can't see heaven yet. But that hope is not seen as still hope, even though we can't see it. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. I love this passage to know that we might groan, but in the future we won't. And there's two areas that it talks about. We're groaning as we're waiting for adoption. And we're groaning for the redemption of our bodies. Let me talk about that in context. Most all of you know that Carol and I adopted two boys. They were 7 years old and 10 years old out of the Children's Home Society in Florida. When you go through a situation like that, besides them vetting us, we have to know a little bit about the kids, which we knew a lot, but not everything, because, you know, you can't know everything. They couldn't know everything about us. So then they allow you to have the children for one year, and during that time they make extensive home visits, but they're not adopted yet. After that year, then what they do is they say, okay, we grant you permission to adopt these kids. So they are your adopted kids. Well, when we brought them into our home for that state of actual adoption, that happened on Carol's birthday, oddly enough, God's sovereignty. So we could remember the boys were essentially adopted into our home on Carol's birthday. However, they could tell everybody they were adopted. We could tell everybody they were adopted. But in authenticity, they weren't totally adopted until it was legally done through the court system with the judge stamping the papers. Are you following me? So now we had to go through another about nine months of going through this same process. I thought that was interesting how God even did that part. And they then became legally ours on my birthday in April. So we got them in June on Carol's and mine in April. Now, during that time, our kids were so excited. I'm adopted, but I'm not yet. I'm adopted, but it could still remove us. And what's going to happen? And so they're all nervous, but they're kind of in anguish about that special day. So that day that they were adopted in our family, we then identified that day forever as their happy day. Now, we celebrate it twice a year. Their birth date from their birth mom, but their happy day when they became legally ours with their real mother, which is Carol. Now, that sounds weird. How can she be real? She's real because the mother is the one who takes the child and raises that child and gives it all the nurturing that's necessary. The other is a biological birth mother. We don't diss that, but that's all that person is. We're grateful for that mother that she would give up the child because the mother wasn't able to, to rear, rear that child adequately, safely, etc., but again, you have now a happy day. Now, why am I telling you all of this? Because we know in Galatians that when you trusted Christ as Savior, you were adopted by the Lord. So you are in his forever family, but you're not in heaven yet. And so that glorious adoption is going to actually happen when you are in heaven and there's a huge party up there for you. That's your real happy day. Are you all with me? Are you tracking? And I can't wait till I get there. Now, I don't want to die now and I don't know how I'm going to die yet. But when I do, I'm looking forward to that great big I don't want to call it a happy birthday. We'll just call it a happy adoption day when I get to heaven. Now, look at number two. It talks about the redemption of our bodies. 
Now, this is another whole sermon, and I don't have time to unpack it, but there are a lot of you right now that are struggling with your suffering, and it's all wrapped up with your body. It will not do what it used to do. I had talked to one lady this morning. She didn't know she was giving me a sermon note here, but she was. And I won't tell her who she is, but she's here, so I've got to be careful. She says, my mind tells me to go. My body says to stay. Have you been there before? How many of you are there right now? Don't answer that question, all right? So we're looking for that redemption. So maybe your suffering is just life. It's just, we're getting old. You wouldn't believe how many things that Carol forgets. I'm joking, I'm joking. We both forget. We both need each other to remind each other, okay? Sometimes Carol will tease me because I forget stuff, and then she sees me go upstairs, and she says, uh, do you want me to go up with you so you know your way back down? You know, that kind of thing, you know? Our bodies, our minds are groaning for that special time that we can be forever with him. And we celebrate. But there's also another one here. And that is just the Holy Spirit groans. Now that sounds weird, doesn't it? It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which we can, which cannot be uttered or, or word or said. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he, Christ, makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's another whole sermon, but there's a, you got the groaning of creation. You have you and me groaning because of our bodies in the midst of suffering because of sin primarily, but also just life comes at us, and now you have the Spirit. Now, why would the Spirit do this? I can't explain everything about it, but there can be a time when you're going through some suffering, and you just frankly cannot make any, any sense out of that suffering, and because you can't make sense out of that suffering, you don't know how to really pray. Lord, thank you. I know I need to do that. Lord, I will be done. No, I bring glory to you. Yeah, but I want to pray specifically. And I want to pray because the Bible says, if I ask not, I'll have not. So I want to pray. But I don't know how to do that praying. That's where the Spirit inside of you is groaning. Now, perhaps why he's groaning is because part of that, and here's a word, it's not a biblical word, it's my word. It's kind of like an how can I say this? It's an inter-Trinitarian communication going on. Is that too big of a word for you? An inter-Trinitarian? It's where that the Spirit is speaking to the Father in the midst of our suffering, and that wouldn't have to go on if we weren't suffering. So there's the Holy Spirit identifying with our suffering, so He is going to the Lord with groaning. Now, what it's not saying is that it's a language. It's not a tongue issue. It's not where I'm speaking in some unknown gibberish to God. It is the Spirit himself doing the communication with God the Father through Christ the Son. So again, you've got the Trinity in this whole package here. And that's all part of the suffering. So now, all this suffering is still not to be compared to the future glory that we have. And that's waiting for those who trust Christ as Savior. If you don't, you're looking at this from the outside, scratching your head, maybe wanting it, never getting it, until you trust Christ as your Savior. But why does God give it to us? So we will be strong, not in denial of our suffering, but that we now are going to be the rescuers to take this truth to those that are in our community to bring them to God. Do I have one dedicated guy that will do it? Do I have one dedicated gal? Is there one dedicated couple? That's all it would really take. I really like this because it reminds me, all this suffering and groaning, it reminds me of, it reminds me of that this uh, world isn't all there is. How many remember the song? This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what would I do? 
Anyone want to finish it? Yeah, go for it, Joanna. Those of you that are on radio, you've got to come to church, hear our people sing. Not me. But you see the little lightness there? This world isn't our home. So don't worry about your struggles right now. Focus on the glories that come. Let that be a motivation for you to be faithful, to help other people, knowing that this is the worst it's ever going to get for us because we've got heaven. But it also builds character into our life, and all of this is waiting eagerly and patiently. That's a hard phrase, eagerly and patiently. It's like kids at Christmas, eagerly looking for Christmas, but they have to wait. Eagerly, but they have to be patient, but eagerly. Kids, nothing. I'm, I, <laughs> Carol can't put the packages she gives me for my Christmas under the tree because I'll shake them and try to figure out what's inside of them. We're all like that. I want to give you one more, and we're going to end with this. We share in Christ's suffering. Our present sufferings are not to be compared with the future, but most of you like this last one, and this is the one you like the most. In all things, God is working for our good. In all things, God is working for our good. And we always run to that right away, but I, I want to do that, but... I also want to remember it's the sufferings, it's the future glory. Are you ready for this? Are you awake enough for this? Are you ready to go? Do you know this passage? It is so beautiful because it's, it's, like, it's like past, present, and future. It's like I look past to the sufferings of Christ. Ah, I can handle my sufferings. I can look forward because no matter what I'm going through right now, it's nothing compared to the glories. It's so much more spectacular than the sufferings. So I look to the future. But what about the nasty here and now? That all this is still good right in my life today. That's what this passage is talking about. So let's look at it. I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going to read it to you from different translations so that you have it, and it might be a blessing to you. It says this, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose, for whom He foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called, whom He called, these He also justified, whom he justified, these he also, there's that word, glorified. Listen to it in the New Century Version. We know that in everything God works for the good for those who love him. Philip says, we know that to those who love God, who are called according to his plan, everything that happens fits into a pattern for good. The message says we can be sure that every detail of our lives of love for God works into something good. I really love that. Let's look at the passage you guys like the most, New International perhaps, and it says this, in all things, God works for good, in all things. That means there's nothing that's happening in your life that is not meant for good under a sovereign God. That's predestined. He is a sovereign God who is in control of everything, and he is working all of these things out in your life for your good so that you will become more like Christ. So remember, you go all the way. It's not just so that you, you, you have a little better life for you. It's all about you becoming more like Christ. So all these things, he's predestined. He's making it all happen for you so that you can become more like Christ. That's the great God we have. Now, wait a second. Some of you are saying, I can't believe he all this suffering. Why could he do this? Watch this. He's in control, so he's not going to let it go any further than it could go, should go. And at the same time, it's married to his character trait of love, so he loves you completely. So whatever he's doing, it's coming from an unconditional, indescribable love that nothing this world could ever do, and it'll always be beyond our wisdom and understanding. And that's the kind of God that is working these things out for us so we become more like him. All things, not part of the things, all things. Then it says God works, it's not luck. I would hope that by now most of you parents would be careful when your kid says, hey, good luck, that they would remove the word luck because nothing is luck, nothing happens by chance. God is the author and finisher of our faith, so it all works for good. God is working, God is working for the good, not for our desire, not for our immediate plan, not necessarily to hurt us, but always for our good. I love that. 
for our good, but it doesn't stop there. This is where I need to stop, though. For those who love him. Now put a star by that. For those who love him. Which means this is not a promise for everyone. Whoa. Whoa. It's a conditional promise. So it is for everyone who meets the condition. And so what's the condition? The condition isn't God's sovereignty necessarily right now. The condition isn't you. The condition right now is the object of your love. It's got to be your love for the Lord. Now, you've got to stay with me. Because some of you might say, well, I know people who are religious, but they're not blood-bought, born-again believers, and they love God. Is it all going to work good for them? My opinion, the answer is no. Because they're still not his child. Now, God may use those things to bring them to a point of brokenness where they finally say, not I, but Christ, not my works, not my religion, but only Christ, and they'll come to Christ. So he'll use those things to bring them to Christ, and then from there, move them toward becoming more like Christ. But you can't become more like Christ just through a lot of great, bad things that happen to you if you're unsaved. You'll never be like Christ, because you are not a partaker of his divine nature. So therefore, to love Christ begins with first you coming to faith alone in Jesus Christ, recognizing that he is the Lord, God Almighty, who in the person of Christ, sinless man who went to the cross, died, shed his blood, resurrected again, paid the sin debt, offers to us his righteousness, heaven, home, all that, if I'd simply place my faith in him. So here is, I'll say it this way. You can't really love him unless you've trusted him first. And so I hope that you placed your faith. You may love him with an earthly love. You might love him with a, a fleshy, earthy brother kind of, and it could be the best brotherly love you can for a God. But believe me, a lot of the religious people have their gods that they love too, and you know what I'm saying. So the only love God's going to accept is the love of a child who comes to him by faith. Because watch this, watch this. The Bible says it's impossible to please him without faith. So you've got to have the faith. So all the love you're doing, if you're an unsaved person, it means nothing in all the love because that's not what's going to please him. It's your faith in him. So now you have the faith in him. Watch this. You're born again. You have his love within you, partaker of his nature. Now you take that love and you love him right back again. So it boils down to, do you love the Lord? Do you love the Lord? Now that's another whole sermon I have time for. It's not emotionally. It's not how high you lift your hands. It's not how, you, how high you jump on Sunday. It's how straight you walk with God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, through Friday, Saturday. Your loving of the Lord says if you love him, you will keep his commandments. There's too much emphasis on keeping his commandments so you can prove you love him. I don't believe that's the way it's saying in the Greek. I'm saying is if you really love him, the outflow of that will be you will keep his commandments. So to test your love for him will be what you do afterwards. If you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Not if you fish fish for men, then you'll be following me. No, you follow him. Our theme at this church, you new people here, is our intimacy with the Lord fuels our outreach for the Lord. So, do you love him with all your heart, soul, and mind? First commandment. And then the last is this. We know that all things work together for good. I'd like to say it this way. This is the only way we can know that all things work together for good if we really love him and believe his word. So we can know that. So why are these things happening? Well, you already know the answer to that. To make you more like Christ. More Christ-like. I love it because it's not up to me, but it's up to God. Well, my friends, I guess if I could say anything with your problems, I don't want to minimize your problems or the future problems that you have or how many times I might visit you in the hospital or through situations in your world. I'll do as much as I can. Our staff will be there as much as we we can for you. But, But here's the point thing. Listen, listen, listen. No matter what suffering and problem you have, first of all, if you don't know Christ, it's nothing compared to the eternal suffering you're going to have 
the other side of this life. And the suffering is not going to be the flames of hell, although it will be that. The real suffering of hell is going to be separated from God Almighty for all eternity and from Him. And so right now, I pray that you would call upon the name of the Lord to be your Savior. Drop everything that you're hanging on to that you think will get you into heaven. All your good deeds, all your past things that you've done, social or religious, whatever it is, you come alone before God and say, Oh God, I know that Jesus died and rose again. I'm calling upon Christ to be my Savior. And it's not so much a prayer. It's this transaction going on between you and the Lord. And I'm going to tell you then, whatever suffering you go through, you're like Christ. Whatever it is, the glories of God is going to be greater. And whatever you're going through now, it's making you more like Christ to this end. Not to get to heaven, but because you are. Let's pray with heads bowed, eyes closed. Would you take a moment right now and just take your pain to God? Take the pain of the one you love maybe to the Lord right now. Would you do that right now? And maybe for some of you, your pain is the fear of death. And your, your suffering right now is because your doubts to, to know whether or not you're going to be with the Lord or that your sins are forgiven. Well, that bit of suffering can end immediately. Jesus says, he that believes on me has everlasting life. So just take him at his word and believe in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't mean believe in a historical Christ, although he is historical and you do need to believe that he did exist, that he is God, that he did die, that he rose again. But that still doesn't get you into heaven. That just gives you accurate facts about the way to heaven. But now what you need to do is to take those facts as truth and depend on those. Where you're placing your faith in the person and the work of Christ. And then he says to you that you are my child. And whatever suffering you go through, it's not going to be more than you can bear. I will be there with you. I've already gone through it first. So you're not alone. Whatever suffering you're going through, as bad as it is, Remember and meditate and ponder the glories that will be in you, achieving in you now, if you let it, and the glories in the future. And then finally, celebrate the fact that as a believer in Christ, that whatever is happening, you could know that all things work together for good because you love him with your heart, soul, and mind. And through that, you're becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Is there anyone here today that's ready to come across the line and place your faith alone in Jesus Christ? Is there anyone that's ready to say, I am a sinner and nothing I do will get rid of my sin, but Jesus Christ will forgive me of that. And so I'm going to the Lord now. I'm trusting him. I'd like to pray for you, my friend. And when I pray for you, I'm not going to have you come forward, not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to mention your name. In no way, shape or form do I want to embarrass you. But I would like to pray with you. There are those that would like to have someone pray for them. So with heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, if you'd like for me to pray for you as quickly as you can blink an eye, would you slip up your hand and put it down right where you are? Is there anyone that today's the day you're crossing over the line and you're becoming a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ? Put your hand up right now. Anyone? Anyone? Put it up high. Anyone? Okay, Christians, how many of you today did the Lord really speak to and that you're going to now view your problems that you have from a biblical Christ-like perspective and now you can say or will be, be saying, like Paul said, even in my infirmities, thy grace is sufficient for me. I will gladly rejoice and glory in my infirmities as I know now they're nothing compared to the future. The glories then. I know now that they're working 
in me to make me more like Christ. And I know now that I can identify with Christ in a very special way that brings me into a deeper intimacy with him. Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm seeing this or I'm being reminded of this. I'm experiencing this for the first time. Would you pray for me, Pastor? I won't mention your name in in my prayer, but is there anyone? Would you slip up your hand? Amen. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I know there are some here that are having to contemplate all through this. It's, It's so much spiritual truth and they live in such a world that's filled with pragmatism that it's hard to see how that crosses the line, but it's that internal thought that'll help them to deal with the pragmatism of life. And so, Lord, I pray that our group right here would have such a close walk with you that they could rise above their problems, not in a state of denial, but in a state of growing and becoming more like you so that we then could be even a greater witness to this world. Father, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh, 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 oh